Hello and welcome. Peter Thomas Fornital back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker. This is our show for the Keeneland races of Friday, October 21st. We're going to be looking at the late pick five sequence. And to do it with us, we bring in a man who's been doing a fabulous job on the In the Money Plus notebook for Keeneland all meet long. He's also a key contributor behind the scenes over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. He is Eric DeCoster. Eric, how are things? Things are good. Things are good. Getting busy approaching Breeders' Cup, both you know, helping out here and school-wise. It's it's a lot of fun though, and having a good time doing this Keeneland Journal, giving some winners out every now and then too, which uh, that's always a good thing. <laughs> the winners every now and again always help. You mentioned you're a student at the University of Arizona in the Money Media, going to be very involved with the upcoming symposium when we have. All the info out there, we'll distribute it through our channels. We want, would love to have people come and join us. I went to Arizona for the first time last year, and it's very much of an industry event. We're very excited. We're going to be giving horse players a little bit of a voice this year. But hey, if you're an industry person and you're on the fence about going, I think eventually we'll twist your arm and get you uh, seeing why it's it's a good thing. I think we might have met Eric on my actual favorite memory from Tucson last year, the Taco Tour. Does that sound about right? That's exactly right. Yeah, that is where we connected. So I, I'm that, that's kind of my hope. Uh, in addition to all the great stuff that we're planning for the symposium down here in Tucson, uh, the taco tour uh, will hopefully be making a return and that'll, that'll definitely be another highlight. I heard a rumor, Zach, uh, from, from Betmakers these days was going to be definitely doing one night, if not two. There was a rumored possible second night. I might have to do both if, if, he'll, if he'll allow me. Where, where can folks go to find out info about the symposium? Do, do you have that information off the top of your head? Yeah, um, a quick Google search. The, the link is a, a bit technical with all the EDU and the, the little things spotted between. So just look up Arizona RTIP Symposium. It'll be the first thing that pops up. The agenda is already tentatively set. We have speakers that are coming in every day. Uh, and it's, it's a really good lineup. I think we, we're covering a lot of things this year, which I think is great. It's not like it's all one segment of the industry. We're touching on anything and everything that someone could be interested in. So uh, get, get involved if you can, because it, it's going to be, I think, definitely one of the best symposiums in recent years. RTIP Symposium will eventually create a pretty link for that, but I'm probably not going to have time to do it by the time the show drops. So keep that in mind. And for now, just to let your fingers do the walk and do some Googling. We're going to dive in and talk about this pick five on Friday. We kick off with race number six. We've got a starter allowance for fillies and mares, three and up, six furlongs on the dirt. Eric, how are we going to light this candle? I think this is the toughest leg. Uh, it's, a fun, it's hard to say that given how deep some of these other races go, but a lot of these fillies are coming from a lot of different places and you just got to find the one that hits with you. Uh, my first and biggest lean is probably the 12 from the outside Shania. Uh, she's been consistent at some tougher levels. She'll find a little easier here. And I think she'll sit a nice little favorable trip. She likes to come from just off the pace and uh, you know, seeing everybody from the outside post, figuring out where you need to save ground. I think Joe Rocco can be capable of that. Two others I think are a little interesting. Uh, are the two that exit this non-two-life uh, 50 from their, their last out at Churchill, uh, codename Kate and Sparkle of Hope, uh, the 11 and the 5 there, respectively. They ran good races there. They both have shown a lot of talent in their careers, and I think they're finally getting back into form at the right time. So I'm confident in those three and then hopefully getting through that tough first leg. It isn't easy, that's for sure. I'm with you on Shania. Coming out of better races, I thought was a little bit against the flow last time as well. This is the second race off the layoff. And then one of the keys for this one to me is the trainer, uh, Tomlinson, 
who does so well at Keeneland in a completely under the radar way. But but looking up his numbers, the barn is due to start clicking and you don't typically pay a premium in the odds, though this one you will be on the lower end of the odd spectrum with. I'll take another look at uh, at the five and the 11 that you mentioned. And then I was thinking about potentially backing up with number nine, a fleet Arlene as one who I thought had an opportunity to maybe prove the best speed. I think this race will probably go from off the pace, but in these situations, I'll very often reach out and try to pick the horse that I think will be the best of speed. It could be a fleet Arlene going first off the claim in this spot. So I'll put that one uh, that will go out to the in the money plus subscribers in the notes feature as well. Let's move on to race number seven, where we've got these two-year-old maiden Colts going six and a half on the dirt. And we've got a full field of 12 going postward. There were three, actually four that I'm going to mention. Very open looking race. Victory formation. The three is my top pick by Tappert, Who's off to a good start with the two-year-olds, two winning siblings. Incidentally, both were better on turf, but Cox knows where to spot them. He does well enough. First time out, definitely a trainer who gets a big boost with the second time starters, but close to 20% lifetime with the first-time starters. The main thing for me about victory formation is I just like the looks of these works. I haven't seen a clocker report, but just looking at the tab, I think this is a fast horse, and I think he comes here as a contender. Number one, communication memo. This horse ran okay to Loggins on debut. Loggins, who I've been talking about in all these Breeders' Cup videos, and it does sound, seeing the, the news from the Brad Cox team yesterday, like Loggins will not be making the Breeders' Cup a trip. So I'll have to stop touting him for that race as an interesting alternative to cave rock, but nonetheless, communication memo ran okay to Loggins. The inside and uh, dirt sprints at Keeneland statistically not great, but between the form of the first race and the Asmus and second time starter stats, I'm going to use, this is another one where I no clocker report, but that work three back five furlongs in a minute and change just indicates to me like a former, a forward move might be coming from communication memo. Wayhill Road, number five, all kinds of pedigree here. Half to Gervin and Midnight Bourbon and Pirate's Punch and another winner as well, a horse named Cocked and Loaded who won one of those Keeneland spring baby races a couple of seasons ago. Um, very, very live-looking female pedigree with a couple of those runners, Gervin and Cocked and Loaded, both won first out as well. Quality Road, super strong numbers first out. And Shug McGahee, better than people think with first-time starters. And the numbers, I think, for his firsters have improved significantly in the last year or so, um, maybe coinciding with the barn getting a little bit stronger and, and putting the best foot forward a little bit more with some of these firsters. I think Wayhill Road goes with a big chance. And then one I'll back up with at a price – the, the seven seas of Normandy, Larry Jones, good with the second time starters. I love the look of the work since the run. And this horse watching the tape of the first race just had the look of one who was figuring things out along the way. Very spready for me. Three, one and five on the A line, the seven on the B line. Eric, how do you see it? Uh, I, I definitely look to some of those as well. My top choice is going to be the 11 release McCracken. Uh, Brett Calhoun is just such a developmental type with his runners. He can get him going first out, but when I think of some of his better runners, and I'm not saying Release McCracken will end up among those ranks, but when I think of his better runners, I think to a, a Mr. Money or a By My Standards who needed a couple races to figure it out, but once they got to that point, uh, the light bulb really turned on. And for me, Release McCracken's kind of going down that road. Um, ran well on debut uh, at Horseshoe Indianapolis, picked up nicely throughout, and then was in that Loggins maiden race that communication memo also comes out of. And, and really held his own while, while going hard on the front end for a little bit. I mean, the fraction's favorable enough, I think, that you would have liked to see him stick around, but there's also no logins in here. 
Um, he's from a winterly pedigree on top of that. That maiden race from Logs has been productive outside. So I do like release McCracken. Two others all have on the A-line. Also like Seas of Normandy. Uh, he's a half to blue Kentucky, who is a second out winner himself. And he comes from what feels like might have been a decent maiden race at Churchill last time out. And then I'll also join you on communication memo there. Uh, don't like the post inside, you know, horses that haven't won. Always a bit tricky, but he showed he could handle it last time out. So that's why I'm confident there. Wayhill Road, I'm, I'm going back and forth on. He's one I'd, I'd use if I was really looking for for more coverage the more I think about this race. It's just a very weird mix of, of, of pedigree here in terms of winning going six and a half. I just, for me, it feels like he'll get better going long, but every now and then some uh, horse from this really brilliant dam um, will come in and surprise first time out. So we'll see. Uh, I, I think I'm going to have to think about him a little bit more, kind of be a, a post-time decision there on whether I throw him in my ticket. Makes sense to me. I, I just, I love those overproductive dams, you know, and, and when they've had winners first time out, I just tend to lean on the side of inclusion. And I think that people's notions about McGahee not so much being a first or guy in a bet like the pick five, if you're playing it, I mean, granted, we'll be able to see the board through the double probable pool here and get some sense of it. I'm not saying it's going to be like some hidden horse or anything, but I think I think enough value will be preserved that if your ticket construction allows for it, it makes sense to leave in a runner like Way Hill Road in this spot. Let's talk about race number eight, my friend. We've got a three and up Philly and Mare Allowance race going a mile and a 16th on the turf. And Eric DeCoster, we'll keep it with you. I, I think I'm going with just one here. Very scary to say in a 12-horse field, but... Scottish Star, the six, just ran a, such a big race at Saratoga last time out. First time on the turf. She, she was already very talented. She ran some big races out west for Richard Mandela, but it felt like she took things to another level um, in that most previous start. And I think she's going to get a comfortable trip. Not a lot of speed as I dry it up on paper. And I know she really hasn't led any calls, but she was kind of leading her own race last time out. She had a big runoff leader, Namitian Sunrise, in there. And she was kind of setting the pace for the other five in that field. So. I think that if she can follow up that performance, which Todd Fletcher runners always, if they have one good run, they'll generally follow it up with another good run. I think she's an absolute standout in my eyes. There's other good runners in here. I just, I think it all kind of adds up for her putting in a big performance. I have her as a lone A as well and almost went stone cold with Scottish star. Regular listeners know I love when they get onto the new surface and improve significantly. Often they'll just improve again. And also based on the work tab, Scottish Star has just been thriving since she got to Keeneland. Add in, as you point out, that she could be loose and you have this white hot uh, jockey trainer combination with Pletcher and Sayas. A lot of the arrows point in this direction. But I've got to include the number five, Belagamba, as well. This one, the more battle-tested runner. And just coming here off a run in the Canadian turf where she was severely compromised by an incredibly slow pace. Very logical backup to me uh, in the in the five Belagamba, who I assume just has a beautiful leg, and that's where the name comes from. We'll we'll find out in the paddock on Friday. Mostly the six and a little bit of five for me in race number eight, which brings us to race number nine. We stay in the allowance ranks. We switch over to the dirt. We've got three-year-old fillies this time around, a mile and a sixteenth, and a field of ten going postward. I got to use three runners in here, I think. I do have a, a horse I really am excited to bet who's been on the watch list for a while in number four, Scratch Cat, who I'm hoping is going to get some kind of setup. She's a good fit 
on figures and form. But more than that, it's these last two runs. Very tricky trip the last day, making a wide run from a difficult spot. And two back, overmatched against Freaky Nest at the grade one level, but also was stuck down inside at Saratoga on a day where I didn't think that was the place to be. So I'm interested in Scratch Cat. I will also use Cocktail Moments as a B, Cocktail Moments being a logical alternative. Similar bad trip last time, and then just fits really well off that Saratoga run two back. The other runner I'll use as an A is the number nine, Falconet, who I just thought was the clear best speed and is in good form. Very dangerous. I feel like if I can get the best speed in Falconet and the horse that I think is the best closer in Scratch Cat on most of my combinations, I feel pretty good about getting out of race number nine alive. Eric, who's your idea of the winner? I, I like the, those two A's you use, but I'll use them as, as my B's and my lone A. Bit of, bit of a pricey one, but did this filly is a trip handicapper's greatest dream uh, based off her last run, and that's the seven Ice Orchid. She hadn't ran since February when she was a runner-up to Secret Oath, which in those days meant you were kind of in a race of your own. But yep. nevertheless, fought her, fought on and finished in front of you, Geary, who came back to win the fantasy in her next start. But in this start sense, blew the break. Terrible. Clearly, mine not in the game off the layoff. But she found herself traveling well and into contention throughout. Uh, on the turn, though, just wasn't able to find a hole. Felt like everywhere she went, Raylou Gutierrez could not punch her through. She ultimately did find some good foot late. Picked up, got up for third by a head. It was kind of a blanket there from third to, I think, fifth or sixth. But either way, I was encouraged by how well she fought, given all the excuses she encountered and her form back in the spring and, and into the winter down at Oakland was exceptional. And to me, fifth, it seems like she's progressing. And I, I, obviously, the buyer's not going to back it up. I mean, it was, it was only a 64, and clearly the trouble on top of it elevates that in my eyes. But I think she's got a big chance here. If she can just sit a much more comfortable trip, she can absolutely fit with this group. When You're I look at that, great case. No, yeah. I when I, I when I look at that race last time out, that Falconet and Scratch Cat come out of, I didn't think it was bad. I just it felt like nobody wanted to win, and I think that given so many of those horses return in this spot, um, you know, it could be kind of just a repeat, and who wants it more will get it. So that's why I do, you know, look to Scratch Cat and Falconet four and nine as backups. But I think Ice Orchid, if she can just have a couple things, couple more things go right. Um, than what happened last time out. She's in with a big fight. The more I look, the more I like. I mean, second off the layoff, and one of our other favorite angles, you go back and look at those numbers she was earning in February in race like the Honeybee, and you project figure improvement where she's supposed to be now, it's right with the best of these. Mm -hmm. You look at a horse that's 20 to 1 in the morning line, and you're absolutely right. I mean, just just terrible uh, trip last time. I think you can pretty much put a line through that, uh, the, mm -hmm. the 60s figure earned, and expect something maybe even improved from what she was running in February. And if she does that, she can absolutely win. I will, I'm, I'm going to throw in here and I'm going to make a special note that I'm only including off of the strong case that you made. I'm just uh, I'm stealing your tip basically, but I'll, <laughs> but I'll give you credit. So it's not really stealing. Let's move on to race number 10, where we've got these three and up maiden special weight fillies and mares going a mile and an eighth on the turf. Eric, when it comes to this late pick five at Keeneland on Friday, how are we going to get paid? We're going to go with two and hope it sticks. Uh, that'd be the five and the 10 in here. I will hope I say this right. Masaura uh, for Grand Motion. Barn is so hot right now. Uh, I love bipartisanship on the, the Thursday card. And I think today, Masaura, or on Friday at least, Masaura's got a big chance. I know she comes off a layoff, but you don't really have to worry about that with this barn. She ran into some really tough fillies in her first two starts. Skims, who won the Sands Point last weekend, being one of them. 
and she should just really relish this this nine furlongs she's gonna get or about nine furlongs I should say um, she's well bred for it her damn rusty slipper was a Breeders Cup Philly mare turf contender once she loved to go a big ride of ground so it all just adds up for me and I love Johnny B in the saddle anyways and at this meet no difference the other I, I look to and it's really just kind of a, a name value thing is that 10 Tiana um, she has a decent enough work tab and there's really not much in the pedigree telling me she wants the grass, but I don't think I don't think Jonathan Thomas would be running her here just to run her here. To me, that means he thinks she's a grass filly and she can handle it. And these are angles he hits well at. He's great with first-time starters. He's great with horses getting on the turf for the first time. Debuting going long is never a problem for him. It's just it it checks all the boxes. So while there's nothing really standing out in in one sense, there's a there's a good picture being painted here to suggest Jonathan Thomas likes what he's running here. I will say a, a, a filly who I may end up using or may, may use as a B is the seven quality star. I, I, I think I've bet her in every single one of her races and every <laughs> single time she lets me down. And I feel really good about it, especially this spring when she was going off at those higher prices. Ran well at Keeneland, only beaten about a length and a quarter uh, back in April. So I just every day I think it might be her day and every day I'm proven wrong. But who knows? She, she runs a good race every time. Just getting to the wire first isn't always her forte. No, she's had plenty of chances. I have in the mix as well. I think you make a good case on Mesa Aurea, who I did not have in the mix. But, I mean, boy, on connections alone, motion and limited starters, I think coming into the week was something like four for eight. Velasquez mm-hmm. really thriving, particularly on the turf at Keeneland. I think the six to one on the morning line off the layoff gave me sort of a knee jerk not to use. But I, yeah. I think based on your case, again, one that I'll throw in. I did use a different one on top than any you had mentioned. One reading of this race to me was that there just wasn't a lot of pace and Mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of horses that we necessarily know are going to be in form and wanting to pass runners. That led me to Hetty Lamar, the forerunner, who I think will be able to make the lead under aggressive Saez handling. He's riding so well at this meet and in general. And somehow at this Keeneland meet, as well as at Saratoga, somehow has gotten himself, for a guy who's won riding titles, to be a little bit under the radar. I think his average winner at Keeneland is paying something like over 6-1. to one. And I think Hedley Lamar is another who could be 6-1 to one and be out there winging on the lead. So I made Hedley Lamar the top pick. I, used, I did use the seven quality stars in A as well. And, of course, I noted lots of chances. But the last run, I'm not too worried about. Didn't run that badly. Going too far over the quirky Kentucky Downs track. Really, that run too back fits very very well this horse i think is in form and i definitely think will be fit enough i want on the tickets and i did already have on the backup line the 10 tiana who just looked a reasonable stranger for jonathan thomas as you pointed out does so well in all relevant categories impeccably bred nice looking works just i sort of took the idea that there's one reading of this race where we really want to go for either a tactical advantage or or a stranger because the form we've seen from many of them just doesn't doesn't excite me um yeah quality start included with the seven tries but yeah that's how i'm gonna do it. i'll try to spread a little bit more than you and again i, I loved your case on the five uh, and, I'll, and i'll throw in as well great stuff eric really appreciate your help uh today and look forward to reading you more in the in the kentucky uh in the kentucky in the keeneland notebooks you've been doing on the plus side you've been having fun with those they've been fun to read Oh yeah. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's, you know, going through every race, it can get a bit taxing. Sometimes the races can all blur, especially here when you have 12 horse fields, literally every race, but it's fun. It's always a good challenge. I think it really, the, the best, best part is it, it makes you a better handicapper. You get to look back on every race, every card 
and figure out what you need to do better. And I've enjoyed, I feel like I'm just getting better as the meet goes along, which is a big positive. That is great. And I, and I think you started off well and are, are continuing to truck right along. And the great thing about the notebook format is you can really just pick and choose where, which angles you want to highlight, which horses really jump off the page. I mean, obviously it's important and great to have write-ups of, of every race for some of these circuits, but I think the notebook gives something special. It's really helped me stay in tune with Santa Anita and the job Justin Christine's doing out there and the work you've been doing at Keeneland as well. Of course, you can get the rest of the meets. Uh, notebooks and all of our Breeders' Cup coverage. If you just do one month of our In the Money Plus service, uh, in the moneypodcast.com slash plus, the place to go for that. Plus, digests of all the shows, something else that Eric helps us out with. Eric, it was great having you on. No good deed goes unpunished. We'll do it again soon. And uh, we'll, we'll see you in the notebook. All right. Always a good time, Pete. We will thank Eric DeCoster one more time. We'll thank our sponsors over at Keeneland Select. Remember, even if you have a Keeneland Select account or you're in a state where you can't get, encourage somebody else to do it because there's free money just waiting for you there with this bonus that you have for new subscribers over at KeenelandSelect.com. Check it out, please. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.